My next guest today is my mum, Teresa Swan, who has worked as a nurse leader for a long time and has taught me a lot. If you could tell me a bit about your role and what leadership means to you and why it's so important and also how do you think that we can encourage leadership at all levels? Thanks, Anthony. Well, at the moment, as you know, my role is leading a, a small team of nurses and healthcare assistants uh, working in a small charity in a local area where we deliver palliative care to people who choose to be at home for the last few weeks and months of their life. So my job is to lead the team, to inspire them and to help them develop both personally and professionally. So when you ask me the question, what does leadership mean to me? It really does mean the beginning and the end of my job and it embraces everything that goes in between. I would say that I've come to understand leadership as very different from management, but I do think that the two are often seen as the same thing, even though we have a lot more understanding of both leadership and management. But they're not the same. Leadership is a very particular gift. Some will call it a talent, and it's not given to that many people in my experience. The way I see leadership is that it's a gift not for yourself, but it's for others. And the more we use it honestly and effectively, the stronger it develops. As you know, for about 15 years, I was involved in teaching and I taught nurses and care staff and people at all sorts of different levels within our scope of work. And one of the modules I taught was leadership. But what I began to see, and this is where I started to learn, was that the results in teaching leadership were not always there. The outcomes that I hoped to achieve really didn't happen. And then I began to realise that often it was because I had a classroom full of managers. But a lot of those people, sometimes none at all, were actually leaders. So I began to realise that teaching about models of leadership are okay and they're fine and we need them, but it's modelling that's what is needed. And so I took myself away from the classroom and started working in roles that I was invited to come into, working alongside people and actually modelling leadership itself. And it was there that I began to see the sparks of leadership in other people. Once you're working with people who have some ideas of leadership, however small or whatever stage they're at, people begin to make sense of what you're trying to say. But it then becomes a lived experience because it's not on paper and it's not just in the classroom, as helpful as all that is. But you need to be there because leadership is a very practical experience. And working alongside helps people to make sense, not only of what you're saying about leadership, but more importantly, what you're doing. And the doing, the consistency of it all, and the patterns that you're helping people develop, these are what you can demonstrate when you're working alongside. So I would say that while models of leadership are important, it's the modelling that is the most important. And that takes quite a change, really, in attitude and in terms of values. Because a lot of people see moving into leadership as a promotion. I might get a job or an, a desk, rather, or an office or a raised salary. But actually, that's not what it's about. 
It is about doing the walk with people. If I'm going to lead this team, I've got to be right at the heart of the service that we're giving. And if I'm not, then people will never learn. So one of the things I started to do was to make sure that unlike a lot of leaders who might start at nine o'clock in the morning or 9.30, I used to come in at 7.30. So I got to know the night staff. I knew them all by name. And I would hear firsthand from them how their night had been, what their challenges were, what difficulties they'd come up against. And I was able to take that in then to the handover on days where I could sit with my team and listen to what had actually happened, the real experience, where we could face the challenges together. People were allowed to participate, in fact, invited to participate. And so as we began the day's work together, the leader was already there, had heard everything, had been able to give out messages, anything that was important for the team to know for that day. And after a short while, I found that none of my team said, I didn't know about that. Nobody told me. And that was because as the leader, I was there to start the day with them. Plus, we really did have a holistic approach because we were overlapping from nights to days. Now, during that time, I went to a local authority meeting and there were 40 managers present there, all leading in different shapes and forms. One of the questions we were asked was, what time do you start work? And once again, the traditional answer about nine, about 9.30, whereas in fact, their teams were starting at eight o'clock in the morning. The only person who hadn't started at that time was me. And so I was able to share with them the effectiveness of actually being there an hour earlier or a little bit more sometimes to actually make sure that by the time you start the day, you know exactly what's happening, what has happened overnight and how you're going to lead your team through the day. You cannot lead a team when they've been here for an hour and all you've got is a sheet of paper on your office desk to say what's happened overnight without being able to question that, without being able to ask people's views on it. So I would say that people have to move out of this model of leadership into modelling it by putting themselves out and actually starting the day with their team. It makes the working out so much more effective. So when we talk about encouraging and supporting leadership, I think this is where the modelling really comes into its own because you have to be there to see it. You cannot just hand people a course or a piece of paper to say, this is how you should do it. A lot of leaders, sadly, do spend a lot of time doing administration. And then when problems come up, they're often not there to sort them out and solve them with their staff. Whereas in fact, since the beginning of nursing, we have always been problem solvers. That's our job fundamentally. If there were not problems, we wouldn't need to be there. So unless you're there at the heart of your team, facing the problems, encouraging people, building them up, because it's difficult, it's never easy in nursing, but we need to be there working through everything alongside them so that then one of our roles will be calling out the next group of leaders because sometimes people do not ever sense that spark of leadership they have in them, either because if they have an idea, it gets slammed down in a meeting 
or because they're not working with an effective leader who can actually encourage them to make suggestions and to offer advice and help. Even if we don't always get it right, that's not what it's about. But it is about leaders calling out new leaders. I'm not going to be here forever, so I need to nurture the ones coming after me. But effective leaders need to be aware that they, they do need to help people emotionally. We're all human beings. We all have our own challenges. And that's where effective leaders should start. When they see a spark of leadership in somebody, it might not mean that they're very clever or, or that they have lots of particular gifts in this area. But where there's a spark, it enables the effective leader to say, right, that person may not be where I want them to be at the moment, but they are where they are and I'm going to take them on from there. And sometimes when you're modelling rather than giving models, some very small and easy steps can be vitally important. And if you're working alongside that person, you can put the models in and demonstrate how they work. So, for example, one of the very simple models I've often used in my role as a leader is the Joe Harry window. Now, on a piece of paper, it looks fine. But once I put it in a file, I've forgotten about it. But in fact, the Joe Harry window is a very useful tool because when you look at it, you see people looking into the glass from different sides of the cube and people are seeing the same thing, but actually are perceiving something quite different from each other. And that's a very useful thing when you're talking about emotional and human development, because how I look at something may be very different from how someone else perceives it. And recognising that we all have different perceptions actually helps an effective leader to start nurturing a new leader. Why do they see it this way? Why do I see it this way? What are we looking at? What can we achieve here together? So you can teach a model like Joe Harry in the classroom, but modelling it makes it stronger and much more effective. And as we are meant to be working on evidence-based things all the time, and we're meant to be picking up on good and, and, and wholesome research, the best way to develop leaders is to work with them on these things and show them how these models work. A lot of nurses know about models, but they don't know about modelling. So the modelling then becomes more effective. It, part of it is mentoring. It's about finding out where people's strengths are and implementing simple exercises like Joe Harry and other things, which can be enormously helpful for the person becoming more self-aware, perhaps more honest with themselves, more reflective and recognising their own strengths and their own areas develop, for development in a very positive way. I do think leadership has to be caught rather than taught. And I would be the first to say we do need teaching, but it has to be caught. It needs to be caught from someone who understands it and who has the compassion and empathy to help me along so that I don't feel in any sense inadequate about learning. That this is being modelled and I can learn from this as well. So I think we need a bit of a change of mind in terms of of, of leadership not about being promoted and having a bit bigger salary, that actually leadership is always about service to others and for others. It's a gift 
And it's a talent that you may have naturally that we can build on with learning, but it's not a gift for you. It's through you to others and for others. And once we begin to change the way we look at that, we don't see it then as, a, as going up the ladder and being promoted, but we see it more about coming down the ladder right into the heart of the service that we're giving and teaching people some of these amazing skills that we as leaders have actually got ourselves. And part of that is demonstrating some very simple ideals and values like being a person who sees the glass as half full rather than half empty, accepting people as they are and helping them to develop on the job. These things quickly encourage people through our repeated actions of how we're showing how to do it. We can explore what's not working. We can help people to uh, develop different ways of working if necessary. And this important thing of problem solving can be done as we're working alongside people. That is what gives people self-confidence. We need to be absolutely convinced that nurses have always been problem solvers. And that's what leadership is about. Thank you. Uh, while I've got you here, I wonder if I could just ask you as well. Um, as myself, as a, a young nurse and people listening to this, students and other people who want to become leaders in the future and see themselves in leadership positions, what kind of what advice would you give to people going forward um, to be able to form themselves into a good leader? I know you said a lot of it's talent and um, some people have got it and some people haven't, but what advice would you give to anyone? I think I would advise people to really think about this idea of service, first of all. If you honestly and truthfully, hand on heart, feel that you might be called into leadership, perhaps you've got some experience in, in some other areas of your life that you're actually quite good. You might be involved in sport or something else where you know that people listen to you. People actually take notice. Some of those things can indicate that you've got a gift for leadership. And if you then begin to think, well, this is a, a gift of service to others and for others, then you can begin to think, actually, it's not about ego. It's not about me developing myself for the sake of it. It's actually me responding to an internal gift that will need external development and teaching but where fundamentally I believe I can make a contribution here. And I think secondly then, to try, if you can, to put yourself in a place where you know you will be supported by an effective leader. When you're looking for a job or you're looking for a change of job, try and, and, and get an idea of that when you go for an interview or a look round a place. What's the leader like? You know, mm. what sort of of attitudes and values have they got? Are they interested in the growth of their staff and the growth of the team? So that they're not looking at themselves, but they're actually using their gift of leadership to develop a team which they're proud of. I myself have often been immensely proud of teams that I've developed and I've told them so. Because it is a great gift when you see that people that maybe you've had to bring a long way from where they were have actually developed into really effective, professional, confident people. That does us all good and it makes the workplace much better. It stops this idea of blaming everybody else for what's happening 
We know honestly as nurses that nothing is ever perfect. It never was in Florence Nightingale's time. It's certainly not going to be now. We're short of things, resources, people, etc. And we make a decision as leaders. We either focus on what we don't have, the glass half empty, mm. or we say, how can we pull this together? So if you're going for a job, look for somebody who you think their glass is half full. You know, they recognise the difficulties, they recognise the staff shortages, the lack of resources, but they're willing to pull that team together and try and do the very best they can with what they've got. And that can be another indicator that you're going to be working alongside somebody who really values human contribution. Yeah. And I know when you were working, um, in, when you ran the, your last job in the nursing home, um, that you developed staff from um, being a housekeeper up to a carer then to a senior carer. How important do you think that is going forward for leaders to develop people who, if you see a bit of potential in someone, to, to give them a bit more responsibility to get their best out of them? I think that is fundamentally important. An effective leader needs to start out and maintain visibility with the staff, with your team, so that you can see what people are actually capable of, so that you can draw people on. One of the things that I believe in very strongly is language, good language. Mm. One of the things I've always done is change people from cleaners to housekeepers yeah. because they're more involved then in the, in the keeping of the house where you have people who live there. And that takes on a different aspect. And certainly I have valued opportunities like starting the day with my team at the handover so that I can see what people are capable of because it is true that people are often not picked up they're, they're just left because nobody spots the potential I remember once a, a lady coming to me for a job as a cleaner and she joined the housekeeping team did her job very quietly was quite an introverted person but did very well in her job and on one occasion, I noticed that at lunchtime we were a bit stretched and we needed a, a lot more people to help because we were having certain challenges with some of the clients with dementia. And I asked this lady on the housekeeping team if she would sit with a gentleman who was dying because that was something I felt strongly about. We always had someone in the room. And she immediately said, yes, I'll do it. And there was no interventions required. She just needed to sit with him. But when I went back after lunch, she actually said to me, would you ask me to do that again? Mm. Now, because we haven't time to, to explore all that, that lady developed so much confidence that I actually invited her into the care team. She did all her qualifications necessary and she now manages a large dementia unit with tremendous confidence. And that's because a leader saw potential in somebody. Mm. and encourage them yeah and i know um i think as when we get into leadership positions it's important to remember as well that we we were once um like using myself for an example no one gave me a chance at anything and it just it's about important to give people that chance isn't it to become um something what you wouldn't expect them to be like i got given a chance um, at Bushell House by Susan Jones to become a healthcare assistant and and really take me on from that and I think as 
leader as an as a leader it's important to be just give that people a chance and for, and remember that that was you one day and the same with students remember that you were a student one day and you were you were once stood there um didn't know what to do with yourself when no one was interested in you and you really need to to give people a chance and and let them prove themselves and encourage them and give them responsibility um, and I know that's something that you've always done with me and all your staff as well. I do think that's important and that's where when I said about ego there's no place for ego in leadership at all because people go into leadership and once they get to their good position they then pull up the drawbridge so they're not bringing anybody with them Whereas, in fact, leadership, as I say, is should be at the heart of the service, at the service of your team. And that's what's important, that you are always bringing people up with you, mm. giving them a chance, spotting potential. And you can't do that from behind a desk. You can't do that by missing the first hour of the day. Mm. You can't do that by not coming in overnight and meeting the night staff and working some weekends. You've got to show and demonstrate and give evidence to your team that you're there with them. You have a different role from them. It's not hands-on in the same way, but you actually are hands-on in terms of working with them. They're delivering the work, but you are working and developing them to deliver the work. And that is fundamentally important. Don't pull up the drawbridge when you've got there. Keep spotting potential. And the only way you'll do that is by being there and mm. calling leadership out in people and potential out in people. And then people will be forever grateful because most people can be developed yeah. and can do very well. But they just need that spark from an effective leader to call them out and take them on. And that's why the gift and the talent of leadership is so fundamental to our society in every area of life. But as we know, particularly in our area of what we do. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's really interesting points you've made. Um, I think it shows everyone should remember where they came from and and see all kinds of different leadership and how... It really should be done, leading from the front, leading by example, um, working with your staff to develop them. But thanks for your time today, Mum, and uh, thank you. It's just been really good to speak to you about that. Thank you. Thanks, Anthony.